consumers, <laughs> welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to how it was in the 90s and what Sonic used to be before everybody came up with new ideas about Sonic and stuff. <laughs> what it were like back in them days. Yeah. Yeah, this is issue number 65. We are deep into the original continuity. Can we even call it the original days of Sonic anymore? But we're in 1995, issue number 65, which says here that it came out on the 24th of November of 95. But it was actually released on November the 11th. As always, we are your Humes who think we're in charge. My name's Chris McFeeling. My name is Dave Bulmer. And his name is Knuckles. And yeah, there look at he him is. there. There he is. Fighting away on the cover. This is a Knuckles cover. He's fighting away. He's tangled up in the arms of something. Mm-hmm. Of a strange thing. A strange big gold strange robot thing. mechanical being. Mm. He's swinging his old fists around. Free sweets. I got my pastels. Here they are right now. Oh my. <gasps> you found them. You found them. I found a packet of fruit pastels. I couldn't find any. We, so last time, listeners, we were like, I wonder if we'll even be able to get tube pastels anymore. Because when we had our pastels right now, back then, they were in bags. Because that's the best way you can get them. Leave me alone. That's a great <laughs> sentence. I just love it. <laughs> there they were back then. <laughs> yeah, they, but they, but on the front of this one, there is a tube of pastels. And we were like, can you even get them in that format anymore? And Chris, I failed to find them. Where'd you get them? Div, I tell you, it was tremendous. For I was reading, <laughs> I sat down to read this last night. And... Uh, I was like, oh no, that's right, there were pastels. I forgot to even go out and look for any pastels. This morning it occurred to me, I bounded from my bed on a Saturday morning and simply trotted up the street to the very same corner shop from which I used oh, to bind out Chris. of my bed every Saturday morning and buy oh, Sonic the Comic. Chris, and acquired gorgeous. For 65p is the price of a pack of pastels. I can tell you that now. A tube of fruit pastels. A bounty's only 60. Which I'm not going to get into right now live on air. Well, I'm not. I haven't got any. and I'd share if I could. Ah, I don't like them that much. <laughs> it's an orange one. Blech. Oh, wow, yeah. They did a, a big hard ASMR all over you then. <laughs> Knotty Knuckles. That's K-N-Otty. Knotty Knuckles in The Homecoming. I guess Knotty because he's knotted up. Knotted up in the tentacle arms yeah, but he's, of the robot. But as I look at it now, though, he's not knotted. That's a hand that's gripping him. But because it's all made out of the same tubing stuff, it looks like it's wrapped around him. Yeah, don't worry about it. He's all in the tentacle. <laughs> don't worry about it. You know what? You're onto something there, Chris. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, does it? Um, and Nutty Pinup. Coconuts the Badnik. Cool, I really care. Mm, it's a, it's a, mm. What was it last time? Batbrain, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still waiting for that mighty armadillo pinup to complete the oh. chaotic set, but... Uh, hang on a minute. Yeah, wait. Hang, well, hang on. What's we're, going we're, on? We've, we've dumped into these Liam Batnick. Uh, I mean, co- we know why they did the bat one. It was because it was Halloween. Halloween, yeah. But now but we're in a run of... Um, high time we had a mighty if we've not got through all the chaotics yet. I huh. I don't know if they do one, to be honest. I guess we'll find, we'll find out. I kind of think they don't because... Wouldn't I have a stronger internal imprint of that mighty art where he's got a massive long nose had it been a pinup? Possibly. Because that's the one it would be, isn't it? Ooh. The next two in the pack are a lemon and a lime. lime. Mm, Yeah. One after the other, because, of course, as it shows on the back cover, it's the same ad we had from, uh, from last issue. Lemon and lime sweets. Back then, they were made more zingy. And more we zingy. This is we we have strayed into the control zone, where he tells us that they are indeed 
more zingy. By now, you should be chomping away on your free mini pack, says Megadroid of zingy. Fruit pastels, the number one fruit sweet in the UK. Well, let me just pop a lemon in now and tell you. Yeah, do you think that's zingier than you remember it being in the in 1990s four and prior? I don't know. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that they're not. I bet they made them briefly zingier and then that was it. It's because it's not being... Well, you know, it's got a zing to it. A little zing I'm sure they just... Didn't we have this discussion last time and you told me I was wrong? But surely they just put the Tangfastics fizzy sugar on. No, and I, I, I am almost certain it was just that they, they, the juiciness of them got just got a little bit zingier. It wasn't that they covered them in the sugar differently. It was just right. that they were a little bit... Just more pep in them. A little more citrusy. <laughs> okay. Not sour. No, I'm just... It's because this word zingy doesn't come up anywhere else. Like, I don't know what that means in sweets parlance. Zingier. Zing. Just a bit of zing, you know? What was... What sweet was it that's like, Give me that zing, give me that, give me, give me that. Give me, give me, give me that zing. What was that? Give me that, give me that, give me, give me that. Give me that zing, give me... What was that? <laughs> I want to say it was something from Maynard's? Yeah. Was it when they did zingy wine gums? Covered them in, in fizz or something like that? No, I don't think it was. I think it was a separate... I think it was a sweet that that was the time I was introduced to it. I don't think it was an upgrade. So it might be a sweet that's now gone. <laughs> Get that zing with new Maynard's Just Fruits. Just Maynard's Just Fruits. Yes. Now, are they still around? Couldn't tell you. They're, they're Maynard's Just Fruit Pastels, the ad tells me here. Maynard's Just Fruits. What were they? What were they? It's the same thing that we're talking about with the pastels here. They're made with real fruit juice, so they just have a bit of a... Uh-huh. Just a sharp taste to them. Oh, shit. Oh, ah, I've just accidentally found a link where I can buy a pack of <gasps> newberry fruits for four pounds. I'm having one, yes. But now Megadroid says some news that will bring a lump of a different kind to our throats. Oh. It's so vague, I'd love to know more about it. Sega have presented STC oh, yeah. with an award in recognition of standards of excellence in Sonic merchandise. I mean, well done. Deserved. Good on them. De what are you on about? Well deserved. I bet Archie didn't get that. No, I bet but... they didn't know. <laughs> what does it mean? Did they get what does it mean? Did they get a raise? Did they get a framed certificate they put on the wall? What did they get? Did a message just come through to Richard Burton's email? <laughs> Megadroid says he expects the humans around here will be demanding extra holidays now. <laughs> uh, this issue, we've got Sonic, Echo is homeward bound, I forgot. Echo is just the last Echo. Oh my word. Knuckles, in the new story, Cybernic, and issue 66 carries a health warning. As oh, Looney D. Cappers, D -cappers. Frank Einstein, Chuck T. Head, yes. and Igor return. Yes. Always creeps up on you, doesn't it? You're never expecting D. Cap attack when then it's suddenly no. here it is again. No, ne never. Every time, yeah. Not only that, but it looks like we're going to have a chaotic Christmas. Oh, oh yes. More about that next issue. Mm. Because because it's November now. So, you know. What? Oh, no, it isn't. Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, not, know, it's right? not the end of another year that we've been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got uh, Mega Drive 32X Compo results in the chunk of space under that. STC received droves of your entries. That's, I think, correct, but unusual usage of yeah. droves, isn't it? You're normally doing things in them. Yeah. Such was the response to the Mega Compo to win a Sega Mega Drive 32X plus a copy of the Knuckles Chaotix game, something which all interest in has probably passed already by the time of the release of this issue. Um, the first name, now, oh, 
plucked from an old thing continuity yeah. is rigidly <laughs> adhered to here even to the detriment <laughs> of yeah. the text the first name plucked from stc's blow up paddling pool brackets well it was back in issue 58 back i guess the they summer. mean it was summer back then yeah, yeah. who identified chaotic character mighty the armadillo was kim north of eltham eltham or eltham eltham london Congratulations to Kim, and a big thank you to those boomers who sent entries in. Watch out for further megatastic competitions in future issues of your fave read. Please note, Mega Drive console, with no E, console. Mm. Not the first time they've done that. I think there was... Did old people used to spell console without an E before games consoles happened? Because they do it a few times. (laughs) Dunno. Mega Drive console not included in the prize. I don't know why they feel the need to reiterate that here and now. I guess it's maybe to just let Kim know. Yeah, yeah, because you're not, like, entering, are you? No. I think it's just because they've only got one photo of the 32X. Probably, which, yeah. as evidenced by the fact that the photo that they've got, that they've used here, and if I recall correctly, back in the competition, is of a, a pre-release model that d- doesn't say X anywhere on it. Mega Drive 32. Uh, yeah, 32, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a prototype model. Nobody's ever given them another f- photo because no one ever gave the 32X another thought. <laughs> Did it ever really exist? Did you ever see one? Literally, no. I mean, I never saw no, one. No, I've never so seen one in I real life. believe it. <laughs> no. The Sega Charts. One thing in the charts worthy of note for me, which is that uh, Dizzy's back in the Game Gear chart. There he is. Re-entry at number two. Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy. My little mate. Surely the last time anyone ever purchased a Dizzy thing. Surely ever. Number two, though. Big entry. Must have been uh, discounted or something like that. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Not me. And I should. So if I don't, who the hell does? Project Brutus, part three. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Richard Elson. Letters by Ellie DeVille. Brutus parades the captured freedom fighters in front of the Pleasant Hill folk until Robotnik angrily radios him to discover why they haven't been delivered yet. While Brutus is seething over his reprimand, Sonic and pals make a break for it, scrambling over a ravine via a bridge that the pursuing trooper badniks then accidentally destroy with poorly aimed laser fire. It looks like our heroes are free and clear until Brutus reveals that he is equipped with an anti-gravity unit and can just fly across the ravine after them. Out of time, options and luck, Sonic transforms into Super Sonic to take Brutus on one on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a a load of fun just being flung at me. Listen, mate. Listen (laughs) right. I shall. I'm settled down. I've got my headphones on. Go. I remember the extent to which my face was blown off (laughs) by the last page of this story back in the day. Mm -hmm. Because it's only been 15 issues since we saw Super Sonic last. Which is not a short number of issues, really. No, but it's not a very long one. What was he doing back then? Fighting Neo Me- Mecha Sonic. Neo Mecha Sonic. What? Oh Where am God, I from? Chris. Jesus! <laughs> what Ooh, happened there? The things that creep out of you sometimes. Fighting metallics. I beg <laughs> your pardon, listeners. <laughs> but it had been thirty issues since we'd seen him before that. Yeah. So to suddenly, like issue fifty, mm. totally unadvertised, last yes. page. Not even like issue fifty because issue 50 was that he appeared in the middle of it but it was the commonality is that they're totally unadvertised but this is the the thrilling last page cliffhanger is yet another unadvertised return of supersonic yes do me a favor 
Plug me into a Sega. Ooh. I absolutely love it, yeah. This calls for a pastel. Do you know what colour the pastel is? Uh, no. It's yellow, like supersonic. <laughs> this time reading it, part of me did wonder if this was enough of a situation to warrant a supersonic, because it's a little bit... I don't want to use the phrase, you know? A little bit deus ex machina. Like, some stuff is going on, and we're just going to turn supersonic. And that is what supersonic is. Um, but I think last time we were in the proximity of the Master Emerald. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous time Sonic was, you know, burning to death. Um, this time... I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I can I can follow that logic. I think as a kid, I always wondered why he didn't do it more often. Yes, that's the thing, and the answer has to be that it can only happen when the most like dire thing is happening. Mm. And of course, what it is in this is that Johnny and Amy are in danger. That that's what it is. And I think I would have preferred to see something a bit more visceral about that danger. To kick yeah. off the transformation. I mean, it, it's definitely a storytelling move to sell the severity of Brutus's threat. Uh, yeah, and it works as that. And it, it works as that, and that's what I think makes it... I'm fine with it, honestly. I 100% agree with what you're saying, Is like, but just reading it... Well, I, re- I don't know, if Dave, if you remembered that this was coming on the last page of no. this issue or not. See, I did. So I knew it was coming, so any and all perception I have of it is warped uh, that way. Yeah, yeah. To me, it was like, yes, this is validating the threat well validating is an odd word to use because of course it, it's a, it can be a cheat in many ways to pull out the yeah. big super weapon the big ultimate transformation the 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 the, the biggest gun in sonic's arsenal yeah. as a means of telling rather than showing that a villain <laughs> is uh so you know the, the story tells us that the villain is a threat but is he and to be honest, though, after the last two issues, I think I think I think it has been successfully communicated that Brutus is that yep. severe of a danger that he is a situation that warrants supersonic. So I think it works. Then it is a bit of a, a cheat or a Deus Ex Machina just to you know hold up a sign and say no, this is really serious. But how do you not get excited? You know exactly. How, it's it's imp- I can't I can't I can't be objective. You know? No, and luckily the thing about supersonic is that once that card is played the comic gets better. So it's like, it it's always really cool whenever it happens. So it's like, yes, please. let Basically, let's have a loose stringer who is showing you what he can really do with the lead Sonic strip in this story. Yeah, let's see what his version of Supersonic is. We don't know at this stage if he will be allowed to do it again. Well, he did write the poster mag story that had Supersonic in it. True. I always but sort of was, don't yeah, count don't poster count, mags. Yeah. You know, like how later on in this issue, we have what I consider the first appearance of another key STC thing that we've had in a previous poster mag, I mean Nigel Dobbin, and it still feels like the first one. Do you know what's just occurred to me, actually, is um, obviously when we saw in in that poster mag and in his uh, previous appearances, Supersonic, the the transformation was involuntary, but the last time he did appear in the comic, Sonic chose to do it, you remember? He purposefully hopped on the emerald and got the boost off it. Yeah. Whereas this is... Well, Brutus closes out the issue here by going, I see you've lost your cool hedgehog. Could prove to be our biggest mistake. But it's like, this is the Hulk transformation. Like, that's what that's what this is. And, and it's that's a little odd because th- that's almost sort of never really been done before in this way. You know, you, it always happens off panel. 
I, don't, I can't even really remember how it goes down in the poster mag, if I'm honest with you. But back in the very first issue, there's a fiery explosion, and then Supersonic emerges from it, you know, back in issue 8. And then in issue 20, do you remember Tails is carrying him over lava, and it's only speech bubbles emanating up from below the panel, where Sonic goes, Don't worry, little buddy. Arr, don't oh. need you now. Oh, so this is the first before, time no. on panel Sonic has, and the line of dial, you know, Brutus is flying over them, looming. You're yeah. too much of a nuisance. I will ignore Robotnik's command and destroy you now. No! It won't end like this! And Sonic does a full-on, on-panel, freak-out, transformation, Hulk style. And then there's this giant flash of light <laughs> where you can't even see him. It's kind of like the um, modern Who regeneration light mm. exploding out of every orifice, except... You can't see anyone in there. It's just this fzzk, and Brutus is kind of thrown back by it, maybe, and out comes Supersonic. I think it is amazing. the single coolest Supersonic transformation yes. moment we have had up till now. I didn't, I didn't think that before. I didn't process that before. Yeah. That, in turn, goes a long way to selling it, because it's so bloody cool. It's great. What about the and other six pages of the comic? <laughs> Ah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Some other stuff happens in it. But then Supersonic, though. Oh, and by the way, you've said something in, in that discussion that's made me go like, there we go, that's the answer. Because there is, and there will always be, this worry, that uh, until Nigel changes what Supersonic is, that Supersonic can be used in any dangerous situation to simply solve the puzzle of, like, mm-hmm. how do they get... End of Mobius style. How do they get out of this... As a kid... I often, you know, not thinking like like that. Mm. I, I was always like, well, why doesn't he? Because he could. Why, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted him to, because, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what I'm into. Because Supersonic was cool, so you wanted to see Supersonic. But previously there's been, it's been used sparingly. And if this is what can happen now, if someone big enough can threaten you at close quarters, you can turn into Supersonic. Is that a changing of the rules? Well, you have said something that's made me go like, do you know what? That's fine and I accept it. Which is that this is a Sonic who, a few months ago, stood on the Master Emerald. Fine then. That, as far as I'm concerned, that is a kind of Hulk origin story. Like, he can just, he can pull it out now. He's got Master Emerald on him. <laughs> well, see, no, no, but I don't infer that he's choosing to do it. No, me neither. It's just I found this, because this is a less dire circumstance than before. It might have been a bit convenient, but that explains it. Like, of course it happens more readily now, because he's touched that much Chaos Emerald, you know? Anyway, yeah, the other six pages. <laughs> I didn't make any notes. In fact, I, you know, I kind of didn't make any notes for almost any of this entire issue, because it just all bumbled along nicely. It, it all just bounced along. And I liked it. I mean, what do we get? We get some nice Richard Elson villagers. Yep. I like these. Uh, I like that little purple little Joe Sushi with hair. I like him. He's nice. <laughs> yeah, look at him. We are now clearly building on the Brutus versus Robotnik rivalry here as, uh, you know, Sonic's mouthing off to Brutus as he's being paraded in manacles in yes. front of the crowd. And Brutus gets the hand up. He's ready to give him the back of his hand, literally. Oh, yeah. And then Robotnik radios in, respond at once. I like that. I like this line. He says, Brutus, this is Dr. Robotnik. Respond at once. Commander Brutus responding. Yes. Throws the title on there. Address me with respect. Yes. I was wondering what your take on that would be because that's how I read it as well. And then I realized it could just be Commander Brutus responding because it's his name that's bolded. But But I I think I also read it as like Commander Brutus respond. Yeah. I thought I'd make an example of them first, parade them in chains through the streets to glorify their defeat. And Robotnik just demands that they be brought to the Citadel. I expect an order to be obeyed. 
loud, and then after he signs off, you know, Brutus mumbles to himself in lowercase letters. Yeah. And has, rare, rare in this comic. Jealous of my victory. <laughs> and when a trooper badnik says, no, you better listen, he, he backhands him across the town <laughs> yeah. square, you know? He had that backhand queued up, it had to go somewhere. But then he, but then that does feed into this good joke as well, where the you know the, the trooper's picking itself back up. Brutus Look look at him there, standing over him, hands on the hips with a cape billowing out. And yeah. I'm like I'm I'm now wondering like do you remember last issue we had the ponder over the cape and whether it was supposed to be all one piece that only then got yeah. tattered when that building fell on him? Well, he's just, Richard Elson is just drawing Spawn's cape now. It doesn't matter <laughs> anymore. If it wasn't supposed to be that originally, that's what it is now. <laughs> is it? Because I said Spawn as well, but of course I don't know anything about Spawn. That That's Spawn Listen, that has Listen, Spawn that has a big cape. That's the only thing that matters about Spawn. It's all anybody knows about Spawn. Right, but what we're talking about is that it's a cape made of almost tendrils of Tendrils that are that creeping are... out along the ground <laughs> yeah. and then billowing up at the edges to curl, like like tentacles, curling yeah. up menacingly. It's brilliant. And then, of course, he has it goes out wide on the yeah, shoulders. Yeah, flares so out at the shoulders in such a way. God, do you know, reality isn't as good as artwork and pictures, isn't it? Capes don't do that in real life. You ever see somebody wearing a cape? You ever you see a cosplayer wearing, a cape, wearing a cape? It just don't do that, man. It just hangs over your shoulders. It's nothing. No, if you want a cape to do that, you have to be moving forwards really fast all the time. Uh, or, or, you know, cosplay it so that they're like support struts out. Yeah, exactly. Under, yeah, you'd have to have shoulders a, to actually a have skeleton it under that thing. Yeah. But he's standing over me and he says, No one does a thing unless I say so. Understood? And while he's, you know, threatening the troops like this, Amy manages to grab the trooper's fallen gun, shoots Brutus, and they leg it, and the troopers help Brutus up, and he's a Fools! Why aren't you going after them? Uh, you didn't tell us to, Commander. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, then this panel here where he's dramatically pointing to tell them to go after him. Yeah. Then we get the... Then we get that bit with the bridge where they run a nice little log bridge like you'd see in the games. Like you'd see in the games. It's a little bit old school, isn't it? But they get across, then the bridge is destroyed, looks like they're free, and Amy says, nice try, Brutus, you lose! And then Brutus is like, another one of these brilliant menacing panels where his whole face is cast in shadow. Well, actually, his helmet is cast in shadow, and his face is uplit. Don't speak too soon, outlaw. Remember, I'm no ordinary trooper. And it turns out that Brutus was in the SBS before, the yes. Trooper Badniks with the special powers. So yeah, with one power each. We've only seen one of them before, but he had a he could turn his hand into a cage, which is, you know, specific <laughs> yeah. as superpowers go. Very odd superpower, but this one, a rather more broadly applicable skill, he can just float around. It's not he doesn't have any foot jets or anything. He could just, nope, just hover menacingly. Just go up. <laughs> yeah. There's Gravity something, isn't a thing to him. There's something regal and menacing yes. about it that there's no pomp and circumstance or there's no ugly smoke or 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 industriousness mm. about him <laughs> taking yeah, off he just yeah, yeah. silently rises well you can it's imagine a bit... the little jetsons <laughs> well given his cape billowing out and the way that his cape is it, it's a bit superhero oriented but also it's a bit vampire. It's a bit Dracula, With isn't it? With a cape Just like that, yeah. around, yeah. And then uh, the ending happens, and next issue, it's the big fight. And um, fight. <laughs> I don't remember how the fight goes. I just remember that. And do you know 
how hyped I am for <laughs> next issue to see Supersonic and Brutus going at it. I can see it in your little face. You're boinging <laughs> around with excitement. Yeah, it's called for a pastel. <laughs> if you know what colour the pastel is? Um, red for cake. It's yellow like Brutus. Like Brutus! Awful lot of yellow ones in this pack so far. I would have also accepted orange like Brutus. That's true, but... That's the thing about gold, you know? The ugly truth about gold is if you're not a very good colorist and you use flat colors for everything and then a bit of shading, like what I do, there's no color that represents gold. You can't have yellow, you can't have orange. Which is why artwork and fantasy are better than reality. If you think that somebody cosplayed as Commander Brutus, they'd actually spray their costume with gold paint instead of actually making it up to look like this sick-ass yellowy-orange chrome. You're very cross at this imaginary cosplayer of Brutus that you've come up with. How dare they? <laughs> they have not respected... No, I, no I'm actually... No, I'm very <laughs> supportive of them because I know they'd be making all the right choices. Ah, uh -huh, right. There are two cosplayers inside you. <laughs> the one yeah. that wins is the one that you feed. The goofus and gallant cosplayers that you've got in your head. <laughs> There's the one who hasn't built struts out for the shoulders and has just sprayed their costume in gold paint. And there's the one who's tried. There's the one who's <laughs> hand-wrought bronze armor to put on. They put a lot of effort in, but it doesn't look as good as the one that's yellow. <laughs> Graphic Zone! Greaser's Graphic Zone. This is one of the more boring graphic zones, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Not necessarily because the subject matter is boring or because the drawings are are of a quality that makes it difficult to have anything to see. It's just... Listen, there's mm. eight pictures on here and they're just of Sonic characters on motorbikes. What's happened here is that they've come up with a theme that kids have, in fact, drawn pictures of. And so they are all of that theme. There's no ones where they have to twist it. There's no ones where the theme is so loose that it's fun to see how they folded them in together. Yeah. This is literally just Sonic characters on motorbikes. The first one, we don't know who that's even drawn mm -hmm. by. It's a drawing of Sonic on a motorbike, perfectly competently drawn. That's the thing, by the way, worth saying, motorbikes are like one of the hardest things to draw. And Flipping, it's yeah. Amazing that basically every child on this page has succeeded to one degree or another in drawing a motorbike. So well done, everyone. I mean, yeah, I would go so far as to say the one that has succeeded the least is this first one. Kind of. And th so that's just Sonic. Sunglasses, obviously, because he's being a cool dude. So that has nothing to say about that. It's Sonic on a motorbike with, sunglasses. Motorbike with sunglasses. The next yeah. one. Sean Moran from Birmingham. Why do I know this drawing of Robotnik? I don't know. It's a head-on shot of it. Robotnik on a green um, motorbike. So it's just literally head-on. It's an interesting sort of drawing of Robotnik in that it's a classic game-style yes. Robotnik. But it does have the big honking nose of that you would think of more uh, more, more, more adventures-y Robotnik. Well, I think I've seen this drawing in, like, really early promotional material. It's the one, listeners, where it's like, if you know this, tell me which one I'm thinking of, where it's like, it's off-model and it's kind of, like, blobby and the... Uh, I think that the outlines are, like, orange rather than black or something. It's it's a very, um, very pink, very orange sort of ethereal kind of a drawing stamped on to some piece of merchandise that I'm imagining somewhere and it's almost geometrical shapes rather than a drawing of a man well anyway somebody find me that one I'm I'm sure I've seen it out I do not know it at all I'm the most interesting one is this next one yes to me. I like this one from Christopher Gurnell of Torquay which is yeah. not Knuckles riding a bike no Knuckles is a bike is a bike it's a, at first glance you go like oh 
is is this a fetish thing? Mm. Because it's like Knuckles has been strung out across something and he's been made to bite down on the front wheel of a bike. But no, then you realise this is a bike styled after Knuckles. Definitely referencing off of something, I think, as well. Point one. Pink. Yep, that kind of purpley pink. The kind yes. of purpley pink. Hashtag it, put it on a t-shirt. These kids still, in 1995, know what is up. They're That's drawing right. knuckles correctly. Um, but yeah, it's like a really complex actual motorbike. Like, it's not a perfect representation, but you can tell that it's copied from an actual motorbike. Yeah, the engine details are, yeah, there's there's a photo that's been referenced here. Yeah, or a really good drawing in 2000 AD or something. Mm. Um it knuckle year is written on the tires. So that's obviously like good year or something. Mm. I love that, and he's got the little logo, which is his glove and shoe. Mm. I like that. Yeah, and that. So there we go. That's that one. James Stevens of Coventry has drawn uh, head on again. Greaser is the right word. Mm-hmm. Sonic sunglasses, black leather jacket, motorbike, tails peeping out from behind him. But so as to also make him badass, he's doing an angry sort of a grin. Is Sonic? Uh, sporting some nunchucks or a sword or oh you're right there What's or it is got? it just or is it just a poorly it... drawn rendition of motorcycle exhaust pipes that yeah, somehow stretch up behind his shoulder double exhaust pipes yeah I wonder something along See, those lines we're not quite up to the matrix yet so the idea of cool no. sunglasses leather jacket wearing guys <laughs> rolling around with like swords and nunchucks and stuff no, that, no at this point it's the outfit of a punk and I should have said that Sonic has a bit of extra punkiness to his spikes that's what, of course that's what it is. I just thought he'd drawn him badly, but that is what it is, isn't it? Well, you never know with the drawing of Sonic, but yeah, mm. he's got a few more of them and they kind of stick up. Next one, Simon Dowrick of Ormskirk, Lancashire, Game Gear owner. Now, mm. this, there's a couple of things to say here, isn't there? Well, the phrase I would use, the words I would say are haunted marionette. Yes. Um, it's Tails standing in front of a motorbike he's got off it he's very happy about it he's got his fists up in the air his face is very bottom heavy so his whole little muzzle and eyes are down at the bottom then there's an acre of forehead before you get to his little ears this time because he's a badass with a a cross earring yes a crucifix Um, crucifix not not an angry one Mm. his eyes Picture the face of the creepiest Humpty Dumpty you've seen. It's yep, that. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like these two sort of rainbow arches are his eyes um, coming up from that little bit of muzzle. But he's got a little grin on. He's got his leather jacket. There's a tail drawn on either side of his leather jacket. Also, some other stuff written on there. Does that say two tails or does that say trio uh, something? Let me get my glasses off. Let me really peer into this. Maybe two tails. Hard to say. Very hard to say because it's not printed very well. No, there's some schmutz over it. But also, he's done. He's made the mistake of you know, outlining in black and then colouring in a dark colour something that's meant to be written on on a black. Oh, black, yeah. But then the weirdest thing is he's very long limbed. He's yes. bow legged. He's bow armed, and then he's got long and skinny. Well, skinny like a Sonic character should have skinny limbs, but they're too long. They're too long, and he's got. Both of his tails are visible. They're definitely too skinny. They're each poking out one to either side. And then what they do is they they go down. You can see them going down between his legs. They go up his butt. Looping under him and then back up to meet at a single point up his ass. Yes. They up his butt. Right up his bum. Into the... Disappearing into the jacket. It's quite disturbing. It's like an upside down McDonald's logo. It's quite disturbing. He's definitely got a moped rather than a motorbike, though. 
oh well, I wouldn't know the difference. I'm not cool enough. Well, that's a little, uh, just a little. Yeah, I'm not going to try and explain the difference because I'm not cool enough either. <laughs> Carl McDonald's delivered a very colourful one. Love this uh, one. from Newmarket and Suffolk. Just below that, this is brilliant. This is uh, this is probably my favourite one. I think I don't quite know what to make of it. It's a very colourful motorbike yep. driving through the Green Hill Zone. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's Sonic riding on it. Sort of, or like some kind of weird like. It's almost like. Do you remember the first time you saw screenshots back in the old internet of that Turtles anime where they turn into Turtle Saint? It's like uh, yes. it's like it's like that but Sonic. It's this weird made up of strange pointy shapes. It could just be Sonic in biker gear, but it's like a that's, step That's above my that. question. I mean, he's he's the same. He's got Sonic spikes. He's got yeah. gloves. He's got Sonic shoes on, but yeah. they're all different colors. So I'm like, is it just yeah? In in yeah. Uh, in biker leathers. Yeah. And then I'm only realizing now that that's tails hanging off the back, desperately clinging on for dear life with one hand. Well, how is it? Because you can see his two tails. Well, yes, you can, but also he's just got this void instead of a head. Oh, it's a helmet, isn't it? Oh, is it? It's the black visor of a helmet. Oh, I see. Well, what's happened here then is this is a kid who has this kid's approach to what a motorcyclist on a motorcycle looks like is similar to what, you know, the Wachowski sisters' approach to what <laughs> Speed Racer should look like was—it's like that. It's the—it's the most, the most looking version of that concept. <laughs> uh, yes, I suppose the point that needs to be made is that this isn't a greaser type bike. This is a like Robotnik on his little green bike, or like the Knuckles design bike. This is a you know a motor racing bike. Uh, so it's it's bright colors and covered in notional like sponsor logos and names where it says Sonic oh, see, on the yes. front and tails on the back and it's got the little tails logo from STC strips and it's covered with rings, but it's all bright. It's like pink and purple and blue and the the wheels are cheetah print for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, and they're really fat and inflated looking. So it's kind of like it has as much of a foot in cartooniness as it does in like radness. I, I guess I, you're right. I didn't think of it as being one of those racing sponsored bikes purely because it's mm. it's like just cut up into sections and those sections are each a different bright color yeah. from each other. But yes, that that's kind of the closest in reality that there is. So that's the route Laura Mitchell from Staffordshire over here on the left has gone with with Amy oh, wow. on a, yeah, an STC sponsored bike which has STC logos <laughs> on it and it's got um, Megadroid's face on it. Oh, Always yes! love when the kids draw a Megadroid. And it's got just flames drawn on the underside of the sort of back bit as well. And burning rubber written on the front uh, oh, fender. I don't know what you have on a bike. I don't know what you have either. But look, you know what, Laura Mitchell of of Stafford of Stafford Stafford. <laughs> Stafford Staffordshire seems like quite a rad dude to me I feel as if like I'd, uh, I'd be a bit intimidated if I met Laura Mitchell she knows but all I the rad stuff but I love how non-threatening Amy is yes she's it's just Amy in her usual face. in her game outfit notionally wearing a helmet but it's really just a black ring has yeah. been drawn around her like face and she's just just absolutely beaming out of it yeah. and I'm like yeah, Amy doesn't... No no posing on Amy's part here. No, no. no attempt to appear hard. She's just really enjoying her time on that bike. Because she doesn't need to. She knows that her own self plus this bike is as rad as anyone needs to be. <laughs> and uh, Chris Shirley from Yeovil completes the uh, sports bike approach with a shot of Sonic riding um, again, something that looks almost like it might have been uh, referenced from a real Sega sponsor. Yeah, this is bike. exactly what yeah. I was about to say. This looks convincingly like there really was a Sega bike or or at the very least this was you know what 
because it looks like the theming of like those Sega World, um, not the Sega World and the Trocadero, but those smaller ones. Like, I wonder mm. if there was—is this the bike from Road Rash or something? You know, mm-hmm. that you that you physically sit in. It looks very listen, Sega. Listen, very there's real. enough Road Rash in this <laughs> issue already. I don't want to have to spend any more time thinking about it. <laughs> but Sonic's riding this this very accurate Sega-sponsored bike anyway, and. Uh, and he's got a, a single separated eye because he's being Ooh, drawn. That's what it is. I yeah. couldn't figure out what was wrong with well, it. It didn't look right. It's because he's drawn in direct profile, right mm. from the side of his head. So this kid has been like, "Ooh, how do I, how do I end this eye in order to be able to do that?" And uh, that what they've decided to do, rather than copy a, a drawing from the comic, has separated his eye. So it looks like Movie Sonic. Mm. Early movie Sonic, that is. Mm. Original movie Sonic is riding this bike. Well, there's only one way to celebrate all this lovely black biker leather gear. And that's with the nice black current fruit pastel. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it, are they, I suppose that was... Okay, that was a tenuous link. I was starting to get really creeped out by how completely they are Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon type stuff, like syncing up. <laughs> it's working. No, I haven't um, messed with the order of them at all. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't eaten any that I haven't announced. Okay, well, speaking of bikes... Kellogg's Cocoa Pops free bike reflectors! Hey, now there you go. Now, bike reflectors were. <laughs> it was one of the coolest things you could get out of a packet of cereal or crisps or anything that back in the day. That is the uh, packet of cereal toy, isn't it? That's the one. Not my favorite. My favorite is whenever it's a little figurine. But these are the one. These are the ones that you had. These are the ones your friends had. Everybody had these. I didn't have any of these ones specifically, but I did have a cornflakes one. I w- yes, I had a cornflake one. Those are the main ones, or Frosty's ones. I don't know if I ever had any Cocoa Pops ones. Well, I didn't eat Cocoa Pops, so. Well, well neither did I, but my brother did. And we. W- this is the thing. Like, you ate what cereal had the best present in it. That's what. That's how you chose what cereal. You well, had. I didn't like Cocoa Pops. Oh, is that right? I don't know why. How fussy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think I'd like them, no. no. We should have made you have a little uh, variety pack just to find out for this issue. Well, we can do that for the Patreons. It's like <laughs> I got these pastels to get through. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they'll be delighted. Patreon exclusive. We'll eat some nice things. Mm, <laughs> live stream. So, Cocoa Pops. My name's Coco. I'm a monkey like you. I live in the jungle, not in the zoo. I lived on leaves when there weren't any shops, but I'd rather have a bowl of Coco Pops. Oh yeah, Kellogg's Coco Pops taste so chocolatey. They even turn the milk brown. So I'd rather have a bowl of Coco Pops. So yeah, this is from the era when um, they were really into Coco the monkey, the the, the yeah. mascot character for Coco Pops, having friends. Yes. And and they give the friends names and everything. Yeah, and there was a every few months there'd be a new advert, fully animated, quite impressively animated, I recall, with a new version of the My Name's Coco and I Live in a Tree song. The friends were all kind of introduced in the 80s, surprisingly. There goes Alan Alan and the ones that have reflectors made of them here are Shorty the giraffe, mm-hmm. Kylie the kangaroo, and Hefty the hippo. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just maybe there's no these, but anyway. And then there's a Coco one as well. And a Coco one, of course. There were other characters in the past, like Alan Anteater. 
and oh um, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, Osmelda Ostrich. Alan Shorty, Osmelda, and me are out on safari, as you can see. We eat whatever's on the spot, but we'd rather have a bowl of cocoa pops. Oh yeah. Now I need to say to the listeners that when I said I remember them, at no time did I ever know what their names were. What did you? Well, I don't know, but the the idea was that in each ad, they would do a little really bad song that thudded around the melody of the oh, Cocoa God, Pops yeah. jingle about how each one of these characters like to eat X, Y, or Z and how they would rather have a bowl of Cocoa Pops. So their names were usually in the songs. It was the most egregious example outside of something like Barbie of that thing where we've written a song but we've got X seconds in this advert. So we are just going to forget the idea of time signatures or anything. Just whatever we need to say right now, we're at that bit of the song. One day we got a nasty shock. There was no chocolate on our Cocoa Pops. I asked my pop, because he was bound to know where the chocolate could be found. But Pop overheard about the secret place. And that wasn't just the 80s Friends ads, mind you. That is Coco Pops' whole musical identity. Yeah. Murdering the jingle <laughs> and singing the whole song to it. A, a bespoke song for each new ad about yeah. how Hefty Hippo was trying for the world's highest dive or whatever. <laughs> like yes! And then trying to say when he got to the top, he changed his mind as if mind and dive rhyme. No, quite, quite. Come at me with that. And then on top of that, you have what is chosen and deliberately one of the most annoying voices you can possibly Oh, yay, yeah, me, Coco the Monkey. When he got to the top... He changed his mind. Oh yeah, lovely donkey. <laughs> there was a there was a mutation in there somewhere that was creeping dangerously towards that. Happy hippo was trying for the world's highest dive when he got to the top. He changed his mind. Only one thing for this: Kellogg's Coco Pops. So I filled the swimming pool with Coco Pops to the brim. When he saw the milk turned chocolatey, he dived right Ooh. in. Oh yeah! Only Kellogg's Cocoa Pops has Cocoa's magic secret, so it looks and tastes magic as part of a nutritious breakfast. I'd rather have a bowl of Cocoa Pops. But that's a voice that you feel like you heard in a lot of ads everywhere that wasn't just the. But I don't know who it was. I don't know who the bloke who did the voice was. No, I have no idea. I think people knew. I get the sense that it's like how you know how our parents knew precisely who the voice of Penfold was, and it took us a few years to grow up to find out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think he might have been one of them, but I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh... I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. He always talked like that and it was always a bit shaking. Hmm. Rather have a bowl of Cocoa Pops. Boo. Do you remember when they tried to change the name to Choco Krispies? God, yes, I do. that's what they called. Of course you do. I knew you did. I was furious. Because that's what they call them in America. Rather have a bowl of Choco Krispies. No. Murder. Well, I mean, to be fair, the murdering of the jingle is merely part and parcel of Cocoa Pops (laughs) adverts. Yeah, that didn't last. No. Oh, God. I'm so annoyed by what happens if you Google voice of Coco the monkey. Tells you the American actor. Doesn't even. It tells you Mm -hmm. it's voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Well, it's absolutely not. In Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh, God. 
That's a different Coco the Monkey. Different though, so. Coco the Monkey. Like, I could have believed that he voices the character in American adverts, but I don't even know if they advertised those in... I've never seen an American Coco Pops advert. Nope, neither have I. I don't know if they have the same tune or not. I don't know if he's... You can't imagine they would if they're called Choco Krispies over there, because nobody would come up with that jingle in that form. And then you have a bowl of Choco Krispies. Like, it does fit, but you it's not what you'd think of. Yeah, Coco Pops. I haven't found this out. No, I didn't think you could. These are mysteries left for the ages. People will know. It'll be information that's out there, but it's it's just that he's been recast over the years, so it's tricky to figure this out which true. one. But it's always about. sounded basically the same. Uh, yeah. And certainly it was one bloke, I think maybe one bloke did it in the 80s, and then one bloke did it up until they probably stopped making ads, to be honest, because I don't think they make ads for Cocoa Pops anymore, because cereals aren't sold with cartoon mascots anymore, even though he's still on the box. And then they had to retire the character after it was found that he was selling condoms for only 9p. What? <laughs> Do you not remember? My name's Coco and I live in a tree of selling condoms for only 9p. Nope, that one didn't reach my school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just Googled it and uh, uh, selling condoms for 50p. So obviously there'd been inflation since I remember this one. But anyway, you can collect four bright designs of these reflectors to dazzle your friends, each one featuring one of your favourite Coco Pops characters. Uh-huh. All the gang are there to enjoy in your travels, including Coco, Kylie, Hefty, and Shorty. Clip them onto your spokes for really wacky wheels. Whee. Looks like each one is available in green, yellow, or orange based on the pictures they have here, and then the pictures of them on the spokes. Oh, yes, they're not the same. Orange. Like this delicious fruit pie. <laughs> You're stretching now. Well, I'm going to stretch over here. We need this nice yellow fruit pastel like this Kylie <laughs> reflector. Well, we could go on about this for a while, but I'd rather have a comic of Echo the Dolphin. No, t- hang on. Do you want to try and take that again properly? No. Return of Echo the Dolphin, Part 6. Written by Alan McKenzie, art by Steve White, letters by Tom Frame. Stranded on the Vortex's world, Echo follows the Asterite's telepathic commands, making a lot of noise to catch the attention of a passing Vortex transport craft. Echo dispatches its two alien pilots with his enhanced powers, then uses the craft to generate a teleport beam back to Earth, and returns safely home. The Asterite bids him farewell, but warns Echo that he is not likely to have seen the last of the Vortex. I wish this was better than it was. Yes, it's... It is cool. There is a lot of cool stuff going on. Echo fighting aliens, and they don't... I mean, they're... And these are just aliens from aliens with a few more spikes. This is when we bump into a problem that I've been waiting to bump into, which is that, yes, Mm -hmm. these are just the aliens from aliens. We've seen them before. I think it was in the original Echo strip. There was a moment where probably the asteroid said, you know, oh, there's an alien called the Vortex. And there was an inset panel of what they looked like. And I thought that maybe in strip two, 
they'll have changed that design because it's literally just alien from alien. But mm. they are in the game and they do lo- look like this. I looked up sprite sheets. They don't and... look exactly like this. I think no. it might be more a coincidence that they've wound up looking so similar. Oh, do you think so? Well, they, the, anyway, they're Because they're similar. both so gaggery anyway. The fact that they both look exactly like alien could just be because alien was not that old at this time and you know they were being asked to draw creepy alien but then it is the ones in the game and there's the alien queen in the game and it's like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. clearly inspired by that so maybe they yep. had got to that point in the game and and copied them but without access to google and sprite sheets these days they would have just been like oh i remember they looked a bit like the aliens a bit like this yeah like whatever the course of events that led mm-hmm. us to this end result it's fine one way or the other <laughs> but what i was looking up was is this craft that they're flying around swimming around in from the game and i didn't find it and i like mm. this thing it's a basically a you know it's a stingray looking yeah water ship i guess that's just a ship but i mean like a spaceship in the water <laughs> yeah it's like a little skimmer they're sitting on its back aren't they i think so but it's really tricky to tell they're never actually quite drawn on there and yet when they are drawn it's always in close-up of them just being there in yeah. a panel and then echo kind of like goes ah! at them and they oh explode. god but isn't that the, that panel isn't that the coolest like, oh yeah like it's the left hand panel of the asteroid chilling no sonar blasting and then in the the facing panel like the two panels are looking at each other yeah as the alien is blown to frigging atoms yeah yeah that you all you've got is like the very front of its mouth screaming and then everything beyond that is smithereens <laughs> <laughs> brains out the back never have i seen a drawing of smithereens but now i've seen them <laughs> but um it's this... i don't know it's i just that's that's the one big cool bit you know yeah. and i love this panel in there on the penultimate page of echo coming up behind the other one as well as it tries to get away that's just a good panel like the dolphin danger <laughs> but this craft shows up and the asteroid says, are they using a vortex beam? And Echo says, mm-hmm. yes, yes, they are. As, as this grayish beam comes out of the mouth of the stingray and captures him in a field. I love the mouth of the stingray, mind you. That's cool. A beam mm-hmm. coming. It's like one of those basking sharks that just going around. Although is that, I can't tell what's the front and what's the back. Is the back the thin slit that you see at the bottom underneath the smithereens? panel uh yes i mean that's what i would have thought yeah, yeah. it's not that the, it that doesn't open into a mouth that's the other side no wait no i thought that uh this is no i thought the bit with like the two antennas pointing out the, uh, through which the beam emanates is the front of it the face the, mu- the mouth if i you think will. so too i'm just checking yes. that it's not that this slit we can see opens mm. and closes but what is a vortex beam um, um exactly it's just are they using one yes and but what it does is it holds Echo in like a little field. So then when Echo blows this one alien away and then knocks the other one off the thing, he bonks the button on the control pad and the beam shoots out. Only it's rainbow colored, like the teleport beam from last issue now. And now this beam is just very sort of hand wavy. Well, here's the whatever. problem. I've yeah. been losing track of what's going on. So I assumed when it said vortex beam that it meant, oh, like the one from the previous issue, the big beam. I mean, yeah, okay, but why would they be using that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. This is it. I've lost track of what. I have completely lost track of what the aliens are doing or what's happening. <laughs> I mean, I guess what that really tries to mean is that the gateway, yeah, through which the the sea life was pulled. And the beam doing the pulling are mm. two separate pieces of technology, essentially. And that, and this beam is is is, is a is a tractor beam, if you will. Mm. But 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 that doesn't make sense because 
then uh, uh, the asteroid is able to boost this beam's power from afar and use it to teleport Echo home. So if this is a machine capable of opening like like a like a portal, why? It's just a little, little stingray, light craft. Basically, this ship has the ability to open a portal, well, but why? It's all just a bit contrived. Yeah, the, the problem is that we had a portal and that's what we needed to get home. The cliffhanger was, that's broken, and the res- resolution is, there's another one. There's another one, yeah. Yeah. So I guess well, I get no. I uh, that is kind of okay because the resolution is to attract another one, and that's I what I feel they like. Do. Maybe if we'd had a seventh part, there would have been some room to make this make a bit more sense. I was also a little bit confused about like the bit where one of the aliens hands the other one a gun, and that he puts the gun to his own head. Yeah, but that is going to do something to Echo. Well, no, it's a mind probe, so he puts the gun to his own head to regulate the probe. So okay. I guess the idea is that... Uh, that um, He's like copying a good mind, and he's going to compare it or something. You would wonder why they would ever have an unregulated probe, but I guess <laughs> the idea is that he's regulating the probe for his brain patterns so that he will be able to mm. then probe Echo's mind with it. Uh, but we never really find out anyway, because he, he points I the mean, gun Unless the idea is supposed to be that Echo's sonar blast... That that gun has something to do with Echo's sonar blast interacts with it in some way that causes him to, to blow up? It's unclear, but, isn't it? But it's really not very clear, yeah. So, ultimately, what we get for the final part is Echo and a couple of aliens who, yes, technically we've seen them before, but they sort of come out of nowhere, because it's been <laughs> literally years since we saw them, I think. Yeah. And they turn up, and there's a lot of back and forth shouting at each other in the Red Sea. <laughs> Red, like this delicious fruit pasta. <laughs> <laughs> and then Echo goes home, and the asteroid goes, there you go. By. Basically, yeah, like he doesn't even get to swim off with his family of dolphins at the end, which is the so, end of the game, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you're briefly controlling the whole pod swimming around, having a lovely time. That would have been nice to see. But no, man. Instead, they have to end with the question mark at the end of the blob. Instead of letting it just be a happy ending, the asteroid has to go. Watch out! They're unlikely to pass up a good meal. And then it was like the copy editor just stopped <laughs> caring at the very end. <laughs> As in a, a lovely final panel of Echo back in the blue seas again. Goodbye, Asterite, and thank you. And then he says to himself in a thought bubble, Will we cope if the Vortex creatures ever return, full stop? Yeah, will we cope if the Vortex creatures ever return? No question no mark? No question marks. But yes, not even a how will we cope? Not, not even a dot, 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 but will we cope? Not No sense of drama whatsoever. Just a weird little dumb tag as if to say <laughs> the story's not over when it is. That's it. That's because this is the end of it all. Will the end? It even says the end. But can you cope without Echo for now? Let STC know. And no, there wouldn't ever be any more Echoes because they have completed the story of the game. Mm-hmm. But um, God, I wish it was better than it was. Like it's not. It's not dog or anything. No, no. But you know, for the standard that we've come to expect from the Echo strip, it's a real letdown as an ending. Um. Yeah, I didn't have that strong of a reaction to it, but I did. But I didn't have that strong of a reaction to it, and it could have been the big final, the big finale, the bit, and especially yeah. since we've gone so close into the sort of stuff that I really like that I didn't realise the Echo Strip was, which is this weird sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a shame that the resolution to it seems to be like they go home from the sci-fi stuff. He bumps off two goons. Yeah, and then just goes home and goes. Oh, but there could be more. Watch out! Yeah, like if it was if it was structured a little better, it'd still be an all right ending. But one more part 
Give restructuring the like Shinobi, one extra part to restructure this a bit so that maybe he gets brought before the Queen or something. Right, that's what I was going to say. Given that, it is the first game, not the second one, that ends with a multiple screens big alien head of this alien queen mm-hmm. swarmed around by her little minions. That's your ending. Give us yeah. that. And it feels like they might even... Well, I don't know if it necessarily, but it feels like that that's been held back on the possibility that they yeah. might do more. Even though there's already an Echo 2 by now that they can draw from mm. for more. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Shame. 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 Big shame. Oh, well. Still some lovely visuals from Steve White. You know, so I really like oh, this yes. panel of Echo coming up behind that one alien that's trying to flee, and the panel of the one alien exploding is great. Absolutely great. And the uh, the final panel is yeah, very, lovely very Yeah, lovely final pretty. panel. I mean, that is the final panel that an Echo the Dolphin story should have. I would have been yep. nicer if there were other dolphins were there with him. Yes. But, yeah, but but it's it's Echo swimming through a peaceful, life-filled sea once more. Also, you get the sense, or I get the sense, that Steve White, credited here as Stevie White... I think that's happened before and we haven't pointed it out, but yeah. I get the sense that he's given himself the most time on that last panel because it's kind of the most photorealistic of them. yeah. yeah. Um, lots more lighting effects. It's all dappled along Echo's back. Mm-hmm. It's very, very nice. Well, we've said before, though, about how the Red Sea is, is is purposefully drawn in such a way where the backgrounds are minimal and the light is faint because it is a, a yes. more like a viscous yes. liquid that he swims through, so you wouldn't get those effects there. No, you wouldn't, true. Just um, a bit less than the sum of its parts altogether, this this final final chapter, sadly. Uh, 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 not an ignominious end for Echo, but... Um, not quite the ending he deserved, I don't think, sadly. Yeah. Which is a shame, because, you know, just say at the very end of Echo, what a great strip. Mm. Like, this, these 12 issues mm. of Echo spread out across nearly two years have been, you know? Yeah. That fantastical, otherworldly, I'll make the comparisons we've made a million times before, land before, timey, yeah. animals of farthing, woody type, look into the other world that is the lives of animals. Yeah. With this beautiful painted artwork from Steve White. It's been great. It's been, uh, as a kid... I didn't like it. I remember being very anti the Echo Strip as a kid. And maybe it was because I was annoyed at Animals of Farthingwood stuff in those days. <laughs> I don't know. But this time around, it's been lovely. And I am a little sad that there won't be any more of it. It's funny because I had remembered this as being such a definitive ending. I remembered like, yes, this second strip beats the aliens and frees mm-hmm. the animals and comes home and it's over. But to then read it and be like, oh no, they've, but they've still ended it with the blob question mark. Oh, well, I think that's always going to happen, you know. I don't think they know that they're not going to do these anymore. No, this is true. Even though we're so close to the end of any Sega Superstars strips, I don't think they know that, and so they're just, they're leaving it up to us. They're like, listen, if you honestly write in, in your droves, then we'll, I guess we'll commission more, but... I suppose, yeah, I'm being a little too hard on it when I talk about the blob question mark ending, because there's nothing really wrong with that. I think it's the decisions that the strip makes leading up to that mm-hmm. purposefully you know rather there's no bake showdown with the aliens it's just a couple of goons you know as we, like right, if, if they could have done some kind of queen showdown or something it's so small and maybe ended it with a but the vortex it may take time but the vortex will rebuild one day they will return type thing whereas this is like yeah as soon as they build that gate again they're coming back mm. could be you know yeah just a little less than it could have been to end what has otherwise been a highlight, I would go yeah. so far as to say, of the, of the Sega Superstar strips. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that too, yeah. Oh well. Pin up.
There he is, all right. Yep. Yep. Coconut Spadnik. It's the coconuts. same deal as the Bat Brain from last time. It's an airbrushed um, Theron Rodriguez. I think it's just an airbrushed recreation of the control art of the yeah. Coconut Spadnik on a rather rubbish cut and paste uh, jungle landscape. Yep, just cut out shapes. In fact, you can even see on one of the quite hasty looking palm tree fronds at the top. Oh yeah, look you at can that. see where the mouse pointer or whatever it was they used to draw this scribbly pointy shape has actually the lines have crossed over and the fill tool mm-hmm. hasn't quite known how to render that. Yes, it's it's quick and perfunctory the end. Quick and dirty. Mm. And there's going to be more of them. Nobody was putting these up on their walls. On the back, however. And another little trip down memory lane. Isn't it? For those I, I, we're having some good days. ads again. Yeah. Are you a shredhead? Or a shredless wonder? I'm a shredless wonder. I think of myself as a shredless wonder, but also the thing is, I don't really eat marmalade. Well, I do. Okay. So, ladies and gents, this is an advert for Golden Shred Marmalade. And what was happening on the TV at the time, uh, they had this TV advert, Are you a shredhead or a shredless wonder? There are two kinds of people in this world. There are shredheads and there are shredless wonders. Shredheads like the deliciously orange jelly shreds in Robertson's Golden Shred. Shredless wonders like the deliciously orange jelly jelly in Robertson's Golden Shredless. So if you like shreds, you're a shredhead. And if you like no shreds, you're a shredless wonder. So there you go. Robertson's Golden Shred for shredheads. Robertson's Golden Shredless for shredless wonders. Deliciously orange jelly. With or without shreds. It was, I thought, a slightly strained attempt at doing some advertising because nobody Mm -hmm. actually really cares about any of this, but they had a character that they'd made up for each of the sides of the argument. Do you like your marmalade with bits or without bits? Mm -hmm. And it's all, anytime that option is presented to me, it's always without bits, please Mm -hmm. and thank you. Same deal with orange juice. What about uh, pips in your raspberry jam? Nope. Mm -mm. Uh, None of that. No. I f- think of myself as a pips man, but I think that's just nostalgia talking. You know, I don't, I don't like enjoy the, go round enjoying the pips in jam. <laughs> 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 but um, they had these two characters that they made up to represent the two sides of this argument. So for Shredhead, and they, oh, and on the advert they were like, I think stop motion animation or something. I think so, yeah. And so Shredhead was this ball of shredded marmalade with a little face on the front that would bounce yeah. around. A little meat wad of, uh, of yeah. marmalade. Yeah, and then the Shredless Wonder was a sort of a long-limbed, bendy thing with, instead of a head, just a mouth that would <laughs> that would talk, and it would narrate much of the advert, as I recall. And here, this is an advert for toys of those two things. If you collect enough of the labels off the packs, you can get either a Powerball of Shredhead or a bendy toy of Shredless Wonder. So obviously you want the Shredhead Powerball. No, no contest, right? See, that's the question, isn't it? Because... Yeah, I'm definitely a shredless wonder, mm. but a bouncy ball is good. Yeah. You loved a bouncy ball when you were wee. Best thing you ever did with a bouncy ball, Chris. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I have one. I'll just tell you mine then. In fact, I've Go got on. two. I've got two. But the Go one... On. The one... The, the second one, not contemporary to this, this was when I was like 18 years old. You know, we found out in the A-level social centre, the hangout area mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. free periods at A-level. It was unsupervised hangout time because yes, we were all yes, yes, yes. basically quite grown up now and could be trusted, and we were in voluntary education by that time anyway. But it did mean that we had two whole rooms nobody was even ever in 
because they were adjacent to the room everyone was in, which had the comfy chairs and the telly. Mm. And so I had a Pokemon Powerball, and it had a little Squirtle in it. And after, you know, some time of just having it and just idly chucking it about, little cracks began to emerge, spreading out from the little Squirtle, and we realised what was happening. It was trying to hatch. If we smashed this ball against walls enough, it would hatch and we would have a little Squirtle. So we teamed up, and we did, and we really used all of our... 18-year-old energy to wham this thing against the wall until it exploded and out came the sweetest little wonderful Squirtle toy. I've still got him over there with me. Sonic Christmas Cracker Toys. Smaller than you'd think because he was magnified by the wall. Brilliant. I Well, I, I can't remember ever doing anything particularly exciting with a bouncy ball. That's what I call them, bouncy balls. That's what we call them over here. I don't know what you guys call them, super balls or whatever. Seriously, that's what they're called. I called them power balls, but I don't know okay. whether that was just because I heard that once and thought it was the name. I don't know. Ah, we call them bouncy balls anyway. But um, the one story I do remember, it was when I was working in the comic shop, <laughs> we had a gumball machine at the side. You know, big, big balls of bubble gum anyway. Right. And uh, some lad bought a ball of bubble gum. And, uh, oh, no. Hucked it down on the ground as hard as he could. And it exploded everywhere, obviously. (laughs) And his reaction was to go, I thought it was a bouncy ball! (laughs) They don't make them like they used to, do they? Oh, no! Was that in your shop? We were in a shopping centre, so this was at the entrance to the the shop. Oh, see, that would have caused havoc. Because, right, here's what we used to do with Powerball. This was the best thing to do with a Powerball. And you have to be at primary school, because after primary school, you're too old to do this, right? Mm. You go into the boys' box. Right, And you just whack it as hard as you can against a surface, preferably a wall. And then you all just duck. Duck. You just cover <laughs> your faces with your... And it goes all around you. And then, like, you know, three, four times into doing this, goes in the urinal. And you of don't course. want it anymore. That's kind no. of the end of the story. But uh, <laughs> until that happens... Oh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Having a little bullet ricocheting around your head in a little enclosed space like that. And of course, the tile wall's really the best for reflecting a Powerball. So, according to this advert, Hi everyone, if you're like me, a serious shredhead, you're bound to go bouncy for the deliciously orangey, tangy taste of Robertson's Golden Shred. They were trying really Oof. hard. Or maybe you're wickedly smooth like my buddy Shredless Wonder who goes bendy for the deliciously clear orangey ness Same same ones, I feel like you could come up with. If Once you're on a roll, come up with more. Uh, of Robertson's Golden Shredless. Whatever you prefer. Orangey. <laughs> orangey like this delicious round trees fruit pastel. <laughs> Chris. Whatever you prefer, you can get us both from our jars, and we'll come bouncing and bending our way to you as a free super bounce ball, that's me, or a free bendable bendy toy, just like Shredless Wonder. Now, by the way, this is hot on the heels. I remember being annoyed about this. This is hot on the heels of Are You a Chinless Wonder? The pastels yes, advert. Mm-hmm. What's this actually? What was the somethingless wonder that was the thing that all of these are riffing on? Because I only know it from these adverts. To be a chinless wonder is just an informal British statement that means an ineffectual upper-class man. Oh, so chinless wonder was already a thing. They didn't They didn't yeah, add chin to somethingless wonder. Ah. It appears to be an originally American phrase, the first reference being found in a Mutt and Jeff cartoon from 1910. Wow. So, there you go. Right. Oh, okay. There we go. Even though, yes, having typed it in, American though it may be, all the definitions appear to refer to an mm-hmm. upper-class Brit. Yes. Fine. Okay. So I remember being like, "What? Why am I being bombarded with this new thing? This 
bombarded X-less by these two wonder. whole things. Yeah, but in the same year, Exodus Wonder. I'm like, what's going on? Or was it the next year? It was the next last year. year. Yeah, we had the, our big Ernie. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Um, you only need three labels for one of us, or five labels to get us both free. So tell your mum to look out for the special golden fed. I love that. Labels. Tell your mum to look out for them. <laughs> yeah. There's something quaint about that. Isn't there? It knows you're not buying your own marmalade. My my thing about marmalade, right, is that at this time I was like, well, neither. Ugh. Yes, I don't really eat marmalade. No. I couldn't tell you the last time I ate marmalade, and I didn't really eat marmalade back then. I can tell you the last time I ate marmalade. Yeah, I spent my life not liking marmalade. I didn't like it. it pr- and I think it may have originated from the shreds. But I didn't like it. It was my dad's thing. He liked marmalade, so we always had it in the house. It was always there. It was an option. Always. Never had it. Didn't like it. And then, about three, four years ago. As recent as that. Yeah. We were on holiday, so we would go down for breakfast, and I just thought, you know what? I'm on my holidays. I'll try something different. I will try some marmalade. (laughs) This is the extent of the adventures you have on your holidays. I'm going to try marmalade. Oh, great. No, I'll have you know that, no, that wasn't the extent of my adventures, because I also tried a coronation chicken sandwich. (laughs) Both of which were eye-opening If you ever tried foreign cuisine, you'd explode. <laughs> As I, sp- I, I thought, I did, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'll ha- so I had some uh, one of the little sachets of marmalade, and I spread it on my toast, and I ate it. And I had uh, the critic from Ratatouille moment. <laughs> As I ate this, and I realised I haven't spent my life not liking marmalade. Apparently, I used to eat marmalade all the time. Because this reminds me of it. This has taken me back to a time when I used to eat marmalade. I thought I'd never had it because I maybe had it once and hated it. Apparently I had it once and loved it. Or however many times I had it. I used to eat marmalade. I've been wrong. I've been wrong my whole life about A, how much I used to eat marmalade and B, whether or not I like marmalade. I was wrong. I really like marmalade and I used to have it quite a bit. I think it reminded me of like Sunday mornings. I used to have it quite a at what point did I get it into my head that I didn't like marmalade? Was it this? Was it when Calm they started down, making me think Jesus. of marmalade in terms of shreds? Oh, wait. You're right, aren't you? I bet you anything. I had marmalade when Paddington was on. I bet that was it. I bet mum would have been like, oh, this would be cute. I'm going to give him a bit of marmalade on a bit of Listen, bread. Listen, no. If you think for one second that what? you... Nature that you have did not specifically demand marmalade because the cartoon bear was eating it. Stop motion puppet bear, I'll have you know. If you thought your mum just thought it would be fun rather than you actively, in the same way that we all discovered what pizza was when the turtles came on. <laughs> and what chili dogs not, were when Sonic came on. Did not demand marmalade sandwiches from your poor mother. You may be onto something there. So that, kids... Listening is what a shredless wonder is, and I have tried, and I will persist in trying before this episode goes out, to find the advert. What I've found... <gasps> you haven't been able to find the advert? I haven't been able to find it. What I've found... Oh my god. I found the first two-thirds of the advert as part of an advert break, but it cuts out in that last few moments. Oh dear, racism. Oh, yes. Oh, well, that's the thing. <laughs> yes. But it's yes. not, but it isn't Robertson's. It's oh, it is Robertson's. Yeah, okay. it is Robertson's. Yes, I'm. 
I'm appalled that that ad isn't on YouTube, honestly. I know! You can find all those ads on YouTube. I know, I mean... It's not even that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, so says okay. us. Three labels for one of them, five labels to get both, and there's me thinking, how many blooming jars of marmalade do you go through in a household? But then I saw down below the offer closes 31st of the 12th, 96. Oh, Nearly a full year left to the offer. I thought, I thought it was the end of this year for a moment, but of course, we're still only in 95. But the question is... Do they keep printing the labels for all that time? Uh, or do they just the keep question, accepting yes. them for all that time? Yes. Five jars of marmalade is a Paddingtonian amount of marmalade. <laughs> How are you getting through your pastels there? What's your next colour? Could you guess what the next colour pastel I've got right here is? Easy to red. It's a nice red pastel because they don't make pink ones. Knuckles, The Homecoming, Part 1, written by Nigel <laughs> Kitching, with art by the man, the legend, Nigel Devin! Letters by Ella Fail. She's good too, but you know, I don't I mean, want to undercut her. <laughs> Responding to an intruder alarm in the ancient capital of the floating island, Megapolis City, Knuckles discovers a robot digging amongst the ruins. When the robot attacks him, he dispatches it by using his strength to split open the ground beneath it. Knuckles then learns why the robot was digging in the rubble. It was trying to get at the person hiding beneath it. An echidna named Dr. Zachary, the first of Knuckles' long-lost race to return to the floating island. An echidna? Another echidna? Whoever heard of such a thing? Couldn't be done. Couldn't happen. So this knuckle story begins exactly the same way the two previous knuckle stories have started, where he's mucking about in the Emerald Chamber and an alarm goes off and he takes the zoom tube out to check out what's going on. Well, it's his job, you know. I guess all of his stories do or should start that way. It's just a... He could, it listen, he could take a day off. Well, I was going to say he could be having a day off, but... To be fair, Knuckles is not the type of bloke who really does take a day off. Knuckles doesn't have an off setting, does he? No! But Much like Sonic, there he doesn't is really have an off setting. A detail that we know is that this one could have been a bit different. Because as yes. written, it was that this was the last time he was going to need to do this particular mucking about. Because he's always been trying to, you know, dust down, pop back into position the ruins mm -hmm. of various pillars and bits and bobs down in the bowels of the yeah, island. Well, the, the opening caption box says, Knuckles has completed a hard day's work on the floating island's emerald chamber. Yeah, and he wonders chance. to himself, and I thought, well, oh, I sometimes wonder if I'll ever get this place back to how it was <laughs> in the old days. <laughs> I forgot. Cockney Knuckles, I forgot. Now, that's where we're going. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we dug out the, the script that Nigel yeah, gave us. and Very kindly provided. As it turns out, originally, this was going to be the moment where he finished it all and was saying, like, finally, I've got it back to its old glory. And at some point, the decision was made to change that, I guess. I wonder mm. if it's because of the way Dobbin chose to draw it. Yeah. Where he has drawn... It's an ancient ruin, you know, it's never gonna mm. look new. But he has drawn cracked columns, and there's a pile of bricks up here at the front of the panel. And I just wonder if, yeah, perhaps the decision was made when the art came back to change the dialogue to say, yeah, no, this isn't finished. Look at the state of this joint. We have to take that out. Yes, possibly. Although, like, why? you know, then the question is, why didn't he draw it all nice and fixed? Well, like, yeah, I mean, what it what is what mm. is finished, you know? Uh, if, he, if he makes it look nice and new, it's not going to look like the floating island anymore. Yeah. Well, what he has drawn here, Nigel Dobbin... Now, so, 
We've celebrated his entry here. We've seen him before. He's been in a, a yes, I, he did one the poster final mag. poster mag. But the poster mags always felt like a separate thing, and this this feels like Nigel Dobbins landing in the comic, mm. and he lands with such a great establishing oh, picture yeah. of the Emerald Chamber. Now we've seen the Emerald Chamber before, but always in a sort of out of the corner of our eye way. I felt this kind uh, yeah, of yeah. feels a bit like the reveal of it. They're always kind of tucked away there. Like, there was the first panel, whenever we met it in the Sonic and Knuckles storyline, mm. we really didn't see the, the Master Emerald had already been stolen. Mm-hmm. And um, the Chaotix story opened it, but 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 it was kind of offset to the mm. corner of the panel, yeah. whereas here we get a nice, big, widescreen shot of it all. And it is a... You've got a, a sort of a well in the floor, out of which is coming this giant beam of light with... The emeralds in suspended, floating in a ring around the master emerald, and like topically speaking, here doesn't he draw them looking like big fruit pastels? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> look at them. Couldn't you just pop one of them in your gob? I think this was our first real clear look at the fact that the master emerald was just the green emerald as well. Oh, because I can't remember. One, I can't yeah. remember at this point if it was clearly shown in the chaotic story, but here it is: seven emeralds only, and the master emerald is the green one. Something about the way Nigel has. I should say Dobbins. No, you've got to refer to them by their surnames at this point. You're over-familiar with these guys on this show as a rule, but... (laughs) Sorry, yeah. Okay, so the way that Dobbin has, like... What I think he's done is the old, you know, toothbrush and white paint effect. He's he's speckled them. Maybe not toothbrush, it looks a bit too fine for that. But anyway, he's speckled them with points of light to represent the fact that they're in this beam. And it just does look sugary and i really want to put these in my flipping <laughs> mouth i want to put them in my gob and chew on them actually i was wrong about knuckles having an off state because he does say here right now for a good rest oh shit it <laughs> but then the alarm goes off and we get another look at these old stone machines that he would using to, to like, oh, pilot the floating great. island and such all that oh it's so good you've got this you know it's it's the old stone ring stargate yeah. looking ring which is like his monitor, and as he starts hammering away at these sort of stone tablets that are sort of also keyboards at funny angles, just these sort of hieroglyphic-type letters that that aren't a real language mm-hmm. just appear in this ring. I can't tell if they're suspended light or if they're appearing, appearing on the stone wall behind it, but it's mm. gorgeous, whatever it is. Lovely. Similarly, then, he hops in the tube and pops out in Megapolis City, which is a, an entirely invented... Uh, location, yeah, but you know I'd forgotten about like this, the Green Hill Zone. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. For the I do. But I had forgotten about it because, um, wow, it's all Mesoamerican pyramids. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Which for anyone not in the know, yeah. come Sonic Adventure in a few years' time, would be. Sega lock that down yeah. as the correct look for the ancient Echidna civilization? Cracking! Wow. Again, it's just a lovely. A lovely vista. You know, not quite a Casanova-style vista, more painterly. It sort of fades into the distance, doesn't Mm. it? There's a beautiful kind of distance. 
look to it. Broken pottery, crumbling columns. Yeah, like I said, Mesoamerican pyramids, but then also like the Greco-Roman columns as well. So it's a little bit of just all sorts of ancient cultures mashed up. But, you know, we see shattered pottery, broken columns, and there's just a big old stone polo mint in the background there as well. Yes, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, probably a callback to the stone ring that he discovered in Chaotix, but then it makes me think forward to the Eternity Ring, which will come in years to come as well. Uh, I know the phrase, but I can't remember what it was, so yeah. Mm. And then this robot turns up. Okay. Oh, God, I love the robot. Do you remember? Back in the poster mag. Uh Uh-huh. Because his renderings of Sonic and Tails in the poster mag weren't so hot. Haunted old man tails and oh, pudgy remember, Cosgrove yeah. Hall Sonic. But his knuckles is fantastic. Out of the gate, nailing it, no bother at all. Looks brilliant. Lovely. But one of the things we zoomed in on in the poster mag was the ornate jewel encrusted motobugs. Oh yeah. And the big Fabergé egg paddy wagon that yeah. the badniks took the animals away in. And this robot continues in that vein. It's a huge, big head with a single slit visor, like, you know, like Cyclops from the X-Men or something, but with a single white light eye that vroom, 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 Cylons back and forth in the visor. I I thought that was just a bit of reflection, but I think you could be right there. And below that, a sort of almost beak-like opening. Mm, That's right. On a small body with then arms that are like... uh, just like mechanical segmented ribbons yeah. ending in big flat hands, big yeah. flat three-fingered hands where the hands are also made out of these flat ribbons. Ooh, it's a great design. That's fantastic. Really oh, and it's ornate got and, a crest and, as well, almost a crown of like, you know, like little stumpy versions of Echidna Dreads type thing. And it's the sort of ornate magic technology yeah. that looks very at home on the floating island. Yes. You know, it's not the same kind of thing as what we've seen up till now with like the stone computers and stuff like that. It's a different kind of thing, but gorgeous. Just love the design of this robot. Always have. This robot is what I think of when I think of Nigel Dobbins floating island. This is the mm-hmm, image. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the one because it sets it all up. Like you said, magic technology. That's the feel of the Nigel Kitching, Nigel Dobbin, Floating Island. Here it is, in this one image. This is the sort of thing you're going to get. Because we should be clear, it is made of metal. Oh, yeah. It is It is a metal robot. It's not yeah, stone yeah. or made out of any other kind of weird substance. Uh, maybe the arms are made of something else. There, mm. the, the segmented look, you wouldn't be 100% sure. But but uh, generally speaking, you know, when, when Knuckles punches it, it goes, Hrang! So... <laughs> Yeah. Funny thing happens on page three, actually. Didn't flag it up before, but all the speech bubbles turn blue. Yep, a whole page of blue speech bubbles. That, that is to say, the black parts, turn, the lines and the letters turn blue. Yes, yeah, just the, the, black. the inks just come out wrong. Yes, and when I say we didn't point it out, it's because the same thing happened on the second page of the Echo Strip. Oh, did it? Yes. Didn't even notice, hang on. Yes, I didn't register it at first when I noticed it. Um, I first noticed it when the aliens were saying it, and I thought it was a colouring choice for the aliens um, dialogue, but it is actually happening in all the speech bubbles. And of course, if you notice, if you just see where the... Oh, it's the the same page. It's the same leaf of the comic, yes. Yes. Okay. So some kind of of weird goof happened... um, Happened with in the, the printer. Uh, with the lettering on that leaf. I don't even know how that happens, to be honest, because the colours of the uh, of the art itself are unaffected. It's not a missing plate in the uh, in the printing process or anything. It's an odd one. No. But it matters little. Because mm. then the robot has guns in its arm! Yep. It's got guns in it. Where? 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 Where are these bullets coming out of? Is it his fingers? I think it's from its fingers, yeah. Knuckles thinks it looks familiar 
which uh, we may have bear yes we may have jumped ahead of ourselves to say it looks of a piece with the floating island but <laughs> knuckles thinks it looks familiar but then he does the old uh punch the ground open trick nice to see knuckles still relying on cool strength and, and earth moving moves and then yes from within this stack of rubble a spiked echidna fist emerges there he is. And there is Dr. Zachary. He's an old white echidna with uh, lovely ornate, again, sort of magitechnological-looking shoes. Yes. White and purple shoes, gold medallion and um, and armlets around him, and little uh, furry mutton chops. Yes, he's got yes, a little bit of... Whiskers. Uh, whiskers coming off, yeah. Just registered. Got to do a little eyelid swatch. Dr. Oh. Zachary, being yes. white, has flesh-coloured eyelids, like his muzzle. Yes. So now I'm going to have to watch out and see what colour... Um, Dobbin colors Knuckles' eyelids because I believe we have said in the don't have to top oh. of the previous page just as you can barely visible but as the robot opens fire and Knuckles clenches his eyes shut oh yeah you just see it and he has colored them with flesh tone. flesh tone I think we've said before flesh tone eyelids on Knuckles doesn't sound right does it it doesn't sound right but when you imagine red eyelids on Knuckles doesn't that feel modern Sonic <laughs> no really i'm sure you know I'm, I'm sure elson must have drawn something that we just haven't registered to be honest at this point I, or committed to memory i suspect that they've been drawing him with red eyelids all along because yeah red like this fruit pastel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes don't worry the next few are gonna be big reaches <laughs> dr zachary yeah he looks friendly but did you ever meet anybody with a name like that that turned out to be all right. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Sorry, I think I overemphasized that. Though we did find from the script that this was not always Dr. Zachary's name. Yes, what is it in the script? Chrono. Yeah. K-R-O-N-O, which is a rubbish name. Unless he's going to do something timey-wimey, you know. He's not. But he's not. Yeah. No. Next issue, Attack on the Emerald Chamber. A really great debut from Dobbin, though I must say on oh, this one. Oh yeah, I the mean, uh, the two Nigels teamed up here. This is this is gorgeous. the other truly great artistic partnership that Kitching would have, in addition to Elson in this comic. I asked him about this because we know the two Nigels were fast friends for years and years. Mm. years. So I was wondering, like, was that already the case, or did they meet on this comic? And Nigel says, "No, no, no, we were already really good friends." And in fact, Nigel Kitching turned down the job of doing the art on this. So oh. that he could get Nigel Dobbin oh. in to do it. So it was going to be him. And then, uh, yeah, he, he, that he, that was how he did it. That was how he got him dragged into it. Because he was just trying to get him on this comic. Well, it was effort well spent. I think we can all agree. Absolutely, yeah. The right choice. And the right choice of story. And mm. that makes sense. Because we know that this was a case of you know writing for a particular artist. In fact, it even says in the script, you know, oh, I've told Nigel something. So he knew who was going to be drawing this one when he wrote it. And this plays to all of Nigel Dobbin's strengths. Yeah. And they're just all going to. That's how it goes from now on. Knuckles. Nigel Dobbin is Knuckles in STC. Yep. Mm-hmm. And here we are at the start of that. Already. We're here already, Chris. This No, I'll tell you what. This one doesn't feel quite like an already to me. But this feels not. like one where I was like, come on, come uh. on. Where is it? I'm hungry for this. Yeah. <laughs> Feed this one to me, yeah. Because I think of these Knuckles Dobbin strips as a something that was happening in, you know, the next chapter of STC, along with your Running Wilds and that sort of era. Well, that's not very far away. No, and actually, hang on. So you will not have read a lot of Dobbin Knuckles the first time round. 
best way to phrase it would be to say i did not own a lot of <laughs> oh that's right i forgot you used to read it in the news agent didn't you yes the the, the <laughs> one where you bought your pastels from today uh no i'd moved off from that news agent by the time <laughs> of this you remember i told the story a while back around the first zone runner where they got an issue late and i was yes. like nope none of this it was, Such it a was, uh, yeah well, well it wasn't the first time that it'd been late <laughs> Q-Zone Boy, this is the biggest snore of a Q-Zone I can't even get uh, performatively mad at it Like I did yeah, with yeah, the yeah. football ones It's just a uh, load nothing. of co- It's just, just, just a load of Here are the bikes that you should buy And the bikes you shouldn't buy And the best upgrades Oh god, the, you're right I thought Rosh. it was codes I thought no, these were codes to type in But now he's just listing numbers and makes of bikes And boring rubbish like that Yep. No, to the naked is. eye, when you just skim over it And you see 2ND Kamikaze 750 You think, oh, you type that in And you get an extra life No, it's just yeah. Second nope, best so bike is the Kamikaze 750. Yeah. yeah. No. There is nothing here, and there's going to be another part of it next issue. Jesus. Okay. Does it? Yep, yeah, right. Bye. <laughs> Sonic's World. Cybernic Strikes Back, Part 3. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John Burns, and letters by Steve Potter. As Techno's bomb counts down, Shortfuse and Metamorphia battle, with Shortfuse quickly taking the upper hand, until the shapeshifter overwhelms him. Metamorphia escapes with Techno in her clutches, while Shortfuse is caught in the blast of the exploding bomb, which sends him sinking to the bottom of the ocean with a ton of scrap metal on top of him. And on the first page here, proof, if proof were needed after the previous issue, that Carl uh, Flint has something he can shrink art with. Because Techno points at the bomb, and it's just definitely the same yeah, drawing yeah. of a bomb from the previous issue, shrunk That's down and pasted in the background. Photo started in, yes. Yeah. Just a, just a good fight, innit? This is... This is right. God, we've seen this before, but Stringer is so good at getting the most out of Metamorphia whenever she appears in a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, this strip is five pages long, and she shifts shape like four or five times. <laughs> you know, she's got her, her big hulking form from the end with a, with an axe for one hand and a claw for another. Then she turns into mist when Short Fuse dives at her, then reforms with new big giant double-bladed axes for hands and chops at him. She brings the axe down on him, but it shatters against his super hard metal armor. Then he blasts her double dose from his wrist blasters, sends her plunging into what I guess is a vat of chemicals below since this is the chemical plant zone they think maybe so much for her well let's move before the big bang happens and the shorty says righto techno (laughs) (laughs) aren't you surprised metamorphia wasn't more of a handful and then suddenly (laughs) she bursts out of the chemicals in like a big kraken form how about a tentacle full cyber nick and she's she's a big fanged maw and octopus tentacles and she's all covered in scales and stuff and she grabs short fuse by the arms so he can't use his blasters but then he hits her with his boot jets and then she ship shifts again she grows a big pair of like sick bladed sheet metal wings and a smoking <laughs> blaster for an like what a, a yeah. master of his craft and unfortunately for us that's what happens in the comic it's basically yeah, just describe all that cool stuff she turns into stuff and he goes pew pew, and that's that is what happens. Except that it's all done to the backdrop of they've set this bomb to go off, and then she is delaying them and delaying them and delaying them. And I, I know this is daft, but like I, 
I did actually genuinely feel a bit on edge. Then I found this very tense. You you know, you have, of course, the inset, you know, 15 seconds. It's I counting think, down. I think it could have magnified that if they'd put that, like, more more frequently throughout. Because yes. it only happens on the last page, 15 yes. and 0. If we could have had a small... It's very large. If we could have, like, a smaller countdown in the corners of... Yeah, just two or three more panels spread throughout the rest of the... Uh, I agree with issue. that. Um, although she does say at the start, like, there's less than four minutes. So I was, yeah. always, I was already like, uh... And then it's like, come on, let's move. They're always saying, like, come on! Come on! There's a bomb! Um, but yeah, those last seconds ticked down. I did find it very tense. I think particularly, I think what must have got me is the fact that in that last panel on the penultimate page, it does everything to emphasise what's about to happen. They're all in the frame. Short Fuse yeah. has landed. He's been zapped really hard. He's crashing down onto the floor. And he is like face to face with and turning his head to look at the bomb. And we get a close-up of the readout on it. And it is at zero. Not one. Not th- not two. Mm-hmm. Zero seconds. In this panel, we are at zero seconds, and all three characters are there. She goes, how would you like to meet Dr. Robotnik? And Techno's like, short fuse, get away from the bomb. I mean, she's near the bomb as well. And I, then... I think, oh no, you can see there on the next panel, she's already in mo. You can see the motion line. She's going, she's, she's getting flying out up. of there. Right out, right you, out. Then if you look at the next panel, you see that little black oh. asterisk way up in the sky. She's yes. me- Metamorphia gets clear. Okay, well, what the next panel is, at the top, after you've had the zero seconds, at the Mm -hmm. top of the next page, there's a strip, which is a zoom out of the whole city. And of course, I mean, of course, you can see it out the periphery of your eye, but you know what that means. The bomb is about to go off, and it's about to be even bigger than you would think a cartoon bomb with bomb written on it and a little (laughs) hand coming out is going to be. And yeah, sure enough, there they are flying away from it. And oh yeah, and there is the little image of the bridge, the catwalk catwalk thing with... What is probably short fuse crashed down on it. That is such a great additional panel that mm. you know you could have omitted quite happily. Yes, you could have just yeah. done a full because the next panel is is the explosion. The explosion. It's, it's almost the full height of the page, but for this one widescreen panel across the top, and they could have just made it the full height of the page. But that extra panel is such a great little mood setter. It adds a, a pregnant pause, doesn't Just it? Just that final little moment of terrifying silence yeah. before... And then the final panel is... I It was a bit of a letdown for me, actually. Well, not a letdown, because I... Basically, with him right next to that bomb, and that bomb going off to the extent that, like, a zoomed-out view of the city is what explodes... Mm-hmm. To then find out that Short Fuse is fine, but he's got some stuff on him, was a bit... Really? He's made of the toughest stuff on Mobius. Oh, he's made of the... T- I forgot he's made of Mobium Mo- uh, or whatever it is. Megatal? Yes, Megatal. Yeah, so in, in that sense, like I feel like if it had just ended on the explosion... Yeah. Uh, you know, done a big kaboom panel and then next issue, you know, whatever... I feel like as a kid, I would have been like, yeah, but he's made of the toughest stuff, so he's going to be fine. So we have this extra peril where instead what's happening is that he's going to drown, because that's a thing that can happen. (laughs) Yeah, so there he is. He's going, you know, streaming bubbles down into the water, and all of the bits of the city we just saw get blown up are basically landing on him, and they're going to crush him and keep him down. And he is blacking out now. Mm, And that too, yeah. Next issue, will he wake up? Yeah, not yeah, Not will he black out. He is going to black out. Uh, I think he's probably not going to at the last minute. <laughs> he's probably just probably he's blacking out in the way that superheroes do whenever you know the villains choking them when they go can't breathe. 
blacking out yeah and then and then they're fine and they, they you know someone else comes in and kicks the villain and they're free <laughs> and they haven't turns out they haven't blacked out at all yes black like this delicious black currant <gasps> fruit oh, pastel great. oh i was yeah. gonna i was gonna have to trade off metamorphia's purple suit we're going in there we're going in Fighting Force is a letter here from Matthew Watson of Middlesbrough. Dear STC, I have an idea for a new game called Tournament Fighters, which I think he's ripping the title off of Turtles Tournament Fighters. Ah, I was wondering. Of course, it would star old Blueface, along with Amy, Tails, Knuckles, Johnny, Porker, and the Chaotix characters. The object of the game would be to battle against baddies like Dr. Robotnik, Grimer, and various badniks. And Megadroid says, Take note, could this be the next Sega release? Well, yeah, I mean, basically, we're, we're, we're not too far out from Sonic the Fighters. No, it, it happened. Um, I mean, all right, there wasn't a lot of Chaotix characters in it. Knuckles... Uh, was in it. Okay, but Johnny wasn't. Porker wasn't, Sadly. unfortunately. This is the world in which we live. I really hope that little Matthew Watson called Sonic Old Blueface. <laughs> yeah, just that's what And that, that wasn't an editorial yeah. edition, yeah. Out of Africa, dear STC, I am a 14-year-old who comes from a small town called Kariba. I don't... Uh, I pretend I'm pronouncing everything correctly, listeners. I decided to write as I thought you'd be surprised to hear from someone who lives so far away. From Simbarashi Chikomba of Zimbabwe, Southern Africa. That's pretty far away. That is far away. And, I mean, I gotta tell you, whenever the title was Out of Africa, my sphincter puckered, I won't lie. You know, we, we, we have been through this before. We have. But fortunately, it turns out that the whole point of the letter is that the letter is coming from Africa. It sounds like an impossible thing to imagine that STC would exist in Africa. But we've had Tiroman. We've a friend who lived in Africa and got STC, so... You know, yeah, that that was apparently it was distributed there in some way. Well, you remember he was buying them by weight, wasn't he? That's right. Buying the unsold copies coming back from the newsagents being shipped in in packages just at random. That's so. it. Everything that wasn't sold here ended up there. But it's great to see, you know, that the idea that somebody was was loving what little of it and what random bits of it they were able to get their hands on so much that they still sent a letter in anyway. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, just the idea mm. that there was kids out there being like, yeah. Amy and Techno. <laughs> <laughs> then the third letter is from Daniel Ratcliffe's mother. Yep. Yep, Dan Ratcliffe's mother. Who has written in to, uh, with a letter they've titled No Yoke to say, My son Daniel found an unusual way to make Sonic Tails and Robotnik models. He, he magics them. He uses his magic wand to magic them. Yes. <laughs> the bodies were made by covering eggshells with felt, the arms and legs were made from pipe cleaners, and the faces were painted separately on paper and then stuck onto the bodies. Are these eggs that you'd hard boil them, I would hope? I would <laughs> assume they were empty shells. You know, when you punch a pin in them and then yes. blow the insides out? Yes, yes, yes. Still, very. Um, do, do you then do something to, like, make them solid? Because that's very fragile. You just be very careful. Uh, <laughs> so they're not going to last long, these figures. No. But as Megadroid says, Daniel's handiwork is on display in oh. the STC office and it hasn't even been dropped on the floor. Oh, so, so they sent him in. Yeah, I didn't take any pictures, though. Well, Gary Zamet, I didn't expect that. Yes. Well, we'll come to Gary in a minute, because we should probably talk about this other one over here on the left first. Yes. Uh, from Sandra Williams of Plymouth. It's um, been captioned, Miles Giggs, and it's Tails as a footballer. Tails as a footballer. We'll never be free. We've, it's interesting how 
quickly and suddenly interest drops off but it doesn't it what what's this tales looking like mm. it's drawn like something and i think something out of this comic but not just a normal tales maybe not even tales well anyway nope doesn't ring a bell with me oh, his eyes are too high in his that, head that's the thing and that's part of the style of it that makes me think well anyway yeah it's tails he's a footballer he's kicking a football that's that's what it is Yep, and uh, oh, he's, he's standing in front of an advertising board that's advertising piss. <laughs> I think that's the uh, probably the Sharp logo. It's probably the Sega logo, isn't it? The, well, the A blank P on the left. Is oh, that's sharp. sharp. And then there's a and and the S is the I is and the, the I is, is a, the divider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piss. You get the impression this has been cropped because there's something written top left yeah. that you can only see a tiny bit of, and for some reason at the bottom it says living. E. L. Living L. Living L. Living L something. Living La Vida Loca, but not because yeah, that's not what it is. That's not happened yet. He might have maybe went to write Living Legends and just... Just stopped. Yeah, yeah. possible. Because <laughs> you see how there's a sort of... There's like a dot to the left and then a dot after the living and then a dot on the far right. Yes. And it's like those almost feel like they could have been meant to delineate words and then maybe he genuinely did just give up writing Legends halfway through. Then over on the right, our old pal Gary Zamet. There he is. It was previously seen in STC when they printed his drawing of the Terminator Megadroid in issue 57. Yes. Has drawn the edgy 90 image comics version of Decapitan. He is really getting into the spirit of things, isn't he? There is blood and guts all over the place. So what is it? So it's so it's Chuck and Head and... Standing there just... And, just sort of standing then, there. Um, yeah. but, there's, but there's something extra gross about how his head is coming out. Yep. And behind him stands Frank with a chainsaw covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of chainsawing into his shoulder. I guess he's going to cut him up. Well, there's, there's a cut in the bandages around Chuck's shoulder, but he, he, there's no sign of damage to Chuck himself. No, and Gary, looks like, yeah. Gary would have provided signs of that because elsewhere on the page he's provided lots of blood and guts. So. For there is a head, a disembodied little green hmm. head. Looks like it's sort of on fire, maybe, or something. Yeah. I don't know, just gnawing on Stein's leg, and he's bleeding everywhere, gruesomely. Seems very unfazed by it. Eagles have got a bandage on that some blood is coming through. Hippopotamus mm-hmm. on the roof, eating cake style. There's a series of... Well, what's going on in the background? What's that machine that looks like he's got a big eye in it? Is that a big eye or not? I don't know. I, I, I really can't tell. It's a big computer bank type thing, and there's a, a screen with Sonic's head on it. Yes. And there's like a load of meat and bones and blood and, and something. Yeah, there's just a sort of slot in it that's got ribs coming out of some gore and what looks like a brain and a spine and stuff. That's just where their gore is. Yep. And and Gary has drawn head as a more realistically styled skull oh, that's as well. that's right. Yeah, giving us a bit of a cheeky look. So yeah, there you go. Gar- so Gary's on fire he's sending him in he's sending bucketfuls of drawings in buckets of blood yeah all atop the tumescent fleshy orange pole that is chucks oh chris orange like this final <laughs> fruit pastel <laughs> we got there folks it's the whole we pack the that end. is the whole, whole pack. pack and I don't, i'm sure he's eaten some without commenting on them but i didn't notice nope not a one wow oh, one. wow We've got on a journey. We've narrated our way through this pack of pastels. Pastel Day 2. The sequel. Pastel Day, it's pronounced. Of course, I beg your pardon. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> right, there we go. I seem to have lost all energy and I'm falling asleep. All right, good. Next issue. 
freak out with the cap attack. Oh god, it creeps up on you. Like it I said, does. I'm so looking forward to oh, more decap attack. I know. There's no way it'll be a bad one. There's no such thing as a bad decap. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there is a bad decap no. attack. Honestly, no. I, I, yeah. The image from the strip here is it looks like Chuck is maybe in disguise. He and Head have a big sort of um, oh, a big duffel coat on, big duffel coat, yeah, and uh, and uh, and a scarf, yeah, and um, Head's got a little woolly hat on. So it seems like maybe he's trying to go out in the world in disguise, but but Chuck's head is bursting out of the coat, and Stein is looking very distressed about it in the background there. So presumably he said something to annoy Chuck, yeah, and the disguise is rumbled. Oh, I don't know, I don't even know what it's about this one, yep. because I don't think this is the return of Decapitac through which they will then stay forever, but right. I think we I think we get another like another another normal length run of decap attacks, but then the next time it comes back after this, then that's just basically it, as a fixture of the comic until the reprints start. <laughs> Keeping up the spooky theme, there's also an ah real monsters game review. Oh gosh, remember them? A review? I haven't had a review in a while. Plus Sonic turns supersonic. <laughs> yeah, he yep, did. Yep. Whoa, whoa. Knuckles, the homecoming. Cybernick, troubled waters. And a Jaws bad Nick pin up from the deep. Don't don't care. You'd be, I'm sure. You don't need to advertise that. That doesn't matter. No. No, but they've got nothing else now. I mean, they're not going to advertise part three of the Road Rash Q Zone, are they? Mm-hmm. They are not. Drive the readers away. SDC 66, 1.20, on sale Saturday the 25th of November. Oh, November 1995. God, this comic has been on a run of... Ooh, hasn't it been a good time, the last couple of issues? It's great. It's it's at... It's been at its height for so long that it's... You know, it doesn't seem, like, worth pointing out anymore how at its height it is. But we're gonna... It is. Somehow this is even... Ex- this comic does not feature a Nigel Kitching, Richard Elson team-up story, and no. has not for the last two yes. issues. And yet somehow, I, I, I give that they pulled it out. It was, it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> I used up all my words. He'd eaten it's a lot been of pastel. So good this last yeah. while. Next issue is the final part of Brutus 2 now, so uh, I, uh, and as I said, I don't really, I mean, I know they fight, but I don't, mm. like, I just want to, I, I think Silver's on it, he's just going to kick his ass real hard. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, to be 13 again. I know, it was the best one. A little, little bit of transport back in time with my journey to the corner shop on Saturday morning for Sonic the Comic adjacent sweeties today as well. <laughs> Ah, uh, good times. I know. It's equivalent of if you could, you know, still go there and buy packs of Sonic 3 stickers or whatever, isn't it? I did stop to take a look at the magazine rack just while I was there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a grim show. Uh, <laughs> well. But if you'd like to enjoy a time when comics were widely available and, yeah. and beloved by all, yeah. you can. A time when everything next, was right. You'll be able to find the next episode of this show in most places that good podcasts are available, but you can also download it directly from our website, which you can find at stctp.wigglehe.com. And it's sometimes up there a little bit before it'll wind up in your apps. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast, but also you can follow us individually on there. I am at Demon Tomato Day. 
I am at Chris McFeely, and you can find us both on YouTube under those names too. You can support the podcast. This takes money, you know, and uh, so you can do that at patreon.com forward slash STCTP, where you will get some goodies. Now, we've got some goodies for you. You know how we've been reading through Sonic in the Fourth Dimension? Well, probably by now, we got an interview with the guy who wrote it. And he turns out to be a right good laugh, and we have a lovely time. So go and go and listen to that. It's brill. And also, Dave is reading me. I've told you about it so many <laughs> times now. There's no more words left to describe it. His. There's one thing we ought to say. They have done a sex. Oh, that, well, that's of course. By the time you hear this, that will be on the Patreon. The promised. <laughs> The sex doing has occurred. The sex do of law. The sex do has been done. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to find out what that's all about, pop over to Patreon. You will be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) That's our tagline now. The money that you give us goes to pay an editor so that I can do anything else with my life. That editor is called Sam. You can find him at samgabrielvo.com. Our theme song is Synchronize from Sonic the Comic The Band. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you next time. Yeah, like I said, Mesoamerican pyramids, but then also like the Greco-Roman columns as well. So it's a little bit of just all sorts of ancient cultures mashed up. Oh, did they not have columns in Mesoamerica? Well, those are specifically Greco-Roman columns. What? What's the difference? Did look like that. Oh. <laughs> look, I don't know, and now I have to Google it because I'm. I, right, Jesus, sorry, I ruining it all for me. Just, the just, way you were kicking Jesus. about, I thought you knew. <laughs> look, just Google the sentence early columns. Oh, what? Like you mean the uh, Game Gear version? Yeah. That's Tetris. Well, that's early columns. (laughs) I suppose, in a sense.